Hello, everybody. It is imperative, as always, that you like, subscribe, and share the podcast. Doing all three of these things will amount to a trifectum of um, support and magic and all these wonderful things that help the podcast. Um, If you do this, you will be granted 10 years of good luck. So what do you have to lose? Um, before we dive into this, I kind of want to just dive into the schedule, um, for the rest of the year and kind of just, um, give some other housewarming or housewarming, housekeeping, um, type of things. But before that, I want to talk a little bit about, um, a fellow rapper of mine or fellow rapper and friend of mine, uh, OBS. Um, we've had him on the podcast episode 42, believe he just put out a new album, Obisms 2, and this is honestly probably one of the most in-depth and um, centered projects I've heard come out of Des Moines in a long time. Um, I I will admit I have not listened to the whole thing all the way through, but I've listened to about the first half, and um, I really, I was headbanging, uh, really good stuff. So I highly recommend everyone um, go find that, go check that shit out. Obs is a really prolific, great artist, so please check that um so i guess the schedule schedule for the rest of the year we're gonna december 5th so it's gonna be kind of a mix it's gonna be mostly live episodes we're gonna throw but we're throwing one in but here's the schedule basically so december 5th where it's gonna be number 52 um with lolo savage he's gonna be returning that's gonna be a lot of fun i think we're gonna get into a lot of deep dive kind of stuff and really have a personal in-depth conversation so i'm looking forward to that and that's going to be live, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I hope I got the video quality worked out, so it's not going to be shitty like it was last time. Um, 53 is going to be Dean Kelly. He was supposed to be on four episodes ago, but we are, well, however many episodes ago that was, and we're going to get him on now. And um, going to be as planned, except it's going to be live, hopefully, as well. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun. And then December 21st, um, I actually already recorded this episode. We're going to have Ontario Phoenix on the show. He, um, like I said, I already recorded this episode. And honestly, one of the most prolific uh, people that's probably ever come in the studio. So he, um, we both, since he's going to kind of be the last guest of the year, um, we both really kind of wanted to promote that. So I'm kind of just, big part of the why I'm just kind of laying out the schedule. Because I kind of, you know, if I'm going to, promote people early I might as well just give the whole thing um, and then 726th the day after Christmas is going to be a Christmas podcast where me and Molly are going to sit here get drunk um, talk bullshit and end out the year so that is going to be it now I've already talked about this but um, next year we're going to have all of our episodes be live that's the goal Saturday at 3 o'clock is the official confirmed time um yeah, so uh, I guess I need to talk to future guests and make sure that time works for everyone. But from what it seems, it seems to be confirmed. Um, so, uh, and you know, if those people drop, you can either find guest villain or we'll just still do live and fuck y'all. <laughs> you know, I I never started the show to impress anyone. I did it because I fucking wanted to, and that attitude has carried me this far. I'm really grateful for all the people that um, have come on the show who are continuing to 
you know, continue to come on the show. Um, all your support has mean a lot to me. So um, keep rocking. Keep doing it. Like I said, trifecta, man. Like, share, and subscribe. You get 10 years of good luck. You can't fucking miss that. All right. I'm done rambling. <sighs> this next guest today, uh, or the next guest, Jesus fucking Christ. The guest today that we're having, um, his name is Forrest Cochran, and he has his own podcast called Stringing the Record. Um, here he's located here in Des Moines. He, um, we kind of went into the show, kind of his whole, you know, how he picks people and all that, but he seems to, um, you know, focus a lot on, you know, kind of the rocky, folky scene. So that's kind of an interesting take. So it was, you know, good time talking to him. And yeah, this is the episode. Hope you all enjoy. You're watching slash listening to the McAllister Hours, as always. I'm your host, Cole McAllister. Today, we are joined by a fellow member in the local podcast community. He has a podcast called Straightening the Record, and he also does some other uh, music stuff. Give it up for Forrest Cochran, everybody. Woo! <laughs> How you doing? Thanks for having me on the show, Coleman. It's good to meet you, finally. Yeah, it's good to meet you. I know we've uh, interacted online a little bit, but... Uh, I haven't really, you know, obviously we're doing this, so, and, uh, I was just telling you before we started, we were kind of talking about how, uh, I just listened to your previous episode with, uh, who was it, Courtney Cross? Courtney Kraus, yeah. Kraus, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. She, she has some cool stuff I listened to a little bit of her music in. Uh, yeah, so, you know, kind of like the same with, uh, you know, Jordan Mayland and, uh, um, Pierce Doctor from Audible Farm, like, kind of just people who are you know focusing on the music scene probably more the rock than anything um i guess my first question is what's some of your background are you here from iowa um what are some of your beginnings uh yeah yeah i pretty much grew up in des moines um my dad lived closer to ames in a little town called kelly uh which was kind of cool because yeah when i would go over to his place it would be like uh, we'd be kind of out in the woods and I could just like hang out there and like, uh, you know, like the, you could see the stars there. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and so like, I, 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 I'm from Des Moines. I, I always consider myself from Des Moines, but like, I also spent a lot of time in the country near Ames and like hanging out in Ames too. Um, I've pretty much been here, you know, most of my life, except for, like, I lived in Portland, Oregon for about a year. Um, There was, like, two years that I went to school in Creston, Iowa, which is uh, the home of a school called Southwestern Community College, which has um, a pretty, well, like, it's well known in the jazz community. Uh, for its music program and especially the vocal jazz community, like like acapella groups and stuff. Um, and I, for, I sort of forget how I heard about that school, but um, it turned out that I had uh, another friend from Roosevelt High School where I went who, who uh, was already planning on going there, and I ended up like sort of having him to hang out with... Um, and I met a lot of other cool people who I'm friends with this uh, to this day, um, including Nicholas Frampton, who helped me record my uh, 
my solo record, which isn't out yet, but is pretty much done. Um, as well as, yeah, just lots and lots of people. I could go on and on. Um, um, really, really cool place. I mean, Creston's a weird, weird place where, like, you know, even though it's in Iowa, you see people driving around with pickup trucks with, like, two Confederate flags on them. <laughs> and um, yeah. it's like, read a fucking history book, guys. And, um, and uh, you know, it's like... We, it was sort of funny because at the grocery store, you, you know, you'd be going to the Hy-Vee or whatever, and they could always tell that you're one of the music program kids because <laughs> you, you don't look like you're from there. You know? Yeah, yeah. I can definitely um, relate to that. Um, I just was living in a small town, South Dakota, and it was kind of the same thing. Uh, it's it's really interesting, the divide, um, just the, you know, the difference in people between, you know, inner Des Moines and you know, an hour outside of it. It's really, I was a really weird, like almost, you know, it's not diverse, but it is diverse in the sense of like, you know, location wise, how different it is. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we live in a totally separate world from everyone else who lives in this state. Um, it's, it's, it's really strange. Uh, but, it, but it is also kind of fascinating. And it's certainly not to say that I that I felt like everyone in Creston was judging me or anything like that. Yeah, like, the guy who the guy who was our neighbor the first year that I lived there, um, he was like the owner of one of the bigger banks in the town, but he was like really chill and like he never ever called the cops on any of our parties or anything like that. He was just like really cool, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh and there were there were other cool people there who were just like oh yeah we think the music school is great and that kind of stuff so um so i did that i was there for a couple of years and uh like i said i was in portland for a little while but that didn't like financially pan out for me <laughs> and um it, it turns out if you have only ever worked at like ice cream shops and Jimmy John's locations, it's very difficult to get a job as a person in their early 20s in Portland because uh, everyone, well, especially at that time, I think everyone was moving to Portland um, from, I don't know, less progressive states uh, to, you know, to just like see more culture or to smoke weed or whatever. Yeah. Legalization know. probably had a lot to do with that. Well, so what year was that, that you were living in Portland or, um, from 2012 to 2013. Okay. So, so it wasn't fully legal there yet, but it was like not very criminalized, you know, like, like people would be hanging out at the, um, like by the river, you know, the river just runs through, Portland so like there's like a whole little uh waterfront area and people would just be hanging out smoking joints down there you know and like they w would mostly go un unbothered um yeah because it was like it was medicinal I think at the time mm -hmm. and it was just like you know you had to jump through some hoops to get a, a medical card or whatever but um I never did that because, like I said, I was I was not in a good financial position. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. But um, but yeah, it was like, a, a, it was a cool place. But but I ended up coming back here, um, you know, a little bit less than a year after 
I went out there. And ever since then, I've continued to call Des Moines home because yeah. um, I made a lot more connections that became important to me. And I got involved in a lot of musical groups that were really important to me and that I really enjoyed. And, um, excuse me. And, um, yeah, I, I've just, I've just mostly enjoyed being in Des Moines ever since then. Yeah. Um, it's also nice and cheap. So, you know, <laughs> I was, I was going to say Des Moines is a hell of a lot cheaper than Portland. <laughs> a hell of a I lot, especially since when I was living in Portland, I was like right downtown. Um, oh, damn. I was in, I was in this building called the view. We were living on the 13th floor, which like when I was a kid, um, and I didn't know anything about anything, I thought like there was never a 13th floor because that was unlucky or whatever. So when I, so when I found <laughs> out that my, it. so when I, I think that must be from a horror movie or something, you know, but, um, but for some reason I thought that was real. And, um, and so when I went out there and my friends from high school who had moved out there before me were living, um, I think it was apartment 1314. Uh, I was, I was like, I was like, oh shit, there's really a 13th floor. (laughs) Um, that's funny. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I've been in Des Moines most of my life and I, and I, I enjoy the music community here because, um, even though it's pretty small and pretty insular and like, um, you know, it has its faults, but, but there's, I think everybody's pretty open-minded and like people are pretty supportive, you know, like if they're already interested in music, um, you can pretty much count on them to be at shows on a consistent basis, you know, before COVID happened and all that stuff. Um, there's definitely a defined sense of community. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's something that, um, as the years went by since I came back, it was something that I tapped into a lot more and that I became more aware of and more appreciative of that. Um, you know, everybody, you know, if you spend a lot of time at the vaudeville muse, you're, you like become friends with everybody else who spends a lot of time at the vaudeville muse, that kind of thing. Um, and so, or like, you know, you get to know the people who at the time, like, would work at the social club or whatever, you know, like you can make these connections and, um, and most of these people are so warm and so accepting of all kinds of people and all kinds of art and stuff like that. You know, um, I have friends who like Courtney Krause, who, who write folk songs, um, and draw a good crowd. And I have other friends who like make, uh, harsh noise and, um, and they may not draw as good of a crowd, but they are like at least supported by, by a group of people who appreciate that sort of thing or, or just like our friends, you know? Um, and actually I wanted to say real quick, uh, pertaining to your, your comment about like that I focus more on rock in a way it's true, but, uh, but I did also have a group called ancient posse on a few months ago and, um, they are more of like a, well, I think, I think they, oh God, they actually have a really good like subgenre name. It's like, like interstellar R and B is what I kind of hmm. refer to it as, you know, interesting like, for, for fans of like, 
uh, stuff like Janelle Monet or like Solange, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, FKA Twigs, maybe a little bit. Um, so, so I do try and branch out, you know, I don't want to be somebody who, um, who, yeah, just like interviews every punk band or something. <laughs> like, I think that yeah. would be kind of whack. Um, <clears throat> granted, uh, I don't know as many people in the hip hop community. So, um, so there, there are holes. Um, but I don't know, for instance, I would really like to have Marqueus on sometime soon. Um, cause I really respect his art and his, um, I don't know, just like his entrepreneurship. He like owns a, a mm. whiskey company and shit. Oh, and, really? That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's somebody who I've talked to, but like, because of the weird, the weirdness this year, I didn't really get around to it. Um, and I really like Dom Russell. Uh, I forget what his stage name is now, but he was on he was on Jordan's podcast recently too, and I, I think he's really cool. Um, and so maybe sometime in the future, I would have him or like uh, maybe Scotty P on. I think those guys are a lot of fun, um, and I appreciate that that some of those guys are not just rappers, but like have been involved in like some of those guys like came up in the hardcore scene and then found out there were other people that were interested in doing hip hop later. Um, and those, those are connections that I'm always interested in, um, exploring. Yeah. Um, I, I get what you're saying, you know, that, um, that isn't a criticism, you know, if you, you know, go down a certain, cause I, you know, you could criticize the same or, you know, say the same thing about me as, you know, I kind of just interview exclusively hip hop people. Um, but you know, I think that's, that's kind of where you have to start. Um, in podcasting you have to you know you have to branch out from people you know and uh those those are those end up being the best um episodes and having the best content and all that um what are some of your uh like when did you get into music what's you said you're doing a solo project is that released under your name are you do you have you been involved in any other groups what's kind of your musical background um yeah so which one do you want first? Do you want the do you want the the like how it all started story first, or do you want like what uh, I'm yeah, doing start, right now? Start or? from the beginning, sure. Okay, okay. So yeah, um, my dad's a musician. He's he's played bass mostly in bands since you know he was like a teenager, which would have been the '60s, you know, and. Um, so like I kind of grew up watching him play in like blues bands and stuff and I thought that was really cool and he's also just like a total nerd for music uh you know he geeks out on on kind of the stuff you would expect a guy in his uh late 60s to geek out on like Bob Dylan and the Beatles and a lot of that kind of stuff um and so like I kind of grew up listening to that kind of stuff and you know, we watched the Beatles anthology and I just like thought that was the coolest thing. Um, and then like I had a friend who showed me pop punk music, you know, like Blink-182 especially, I, I got really, really into. Um, and so like I, I had the itch to start a band pretty early, you know, like when I was like 12 or something. Um, and so, so yeah, I guess that that's kind of the answer is I started off wanting to play guitar or bass or something, you know, write songs and stuff when I was like 12. 
Um, and so like similarly to what I think a lot of other people would say who are in my age group, uh, I started off, you know, learning Blink songs and Green Day songs and stuff like that. Uh, but also I was like into new metal at the time. And so like my first band, um, probably was attempting to emulate corn just as much as it was trying to emulate, um, you know, green day or whatever, which is a really weird combination and like (laughs) makes no sense. Um, but that's not the kind of stuff you really think about when you're 12 or 13, you know? Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, I've been in bands off and on ever since I was about that age. Um, and I sort of started playing guitar and bass at the same time. And, and I'm, I kind of fall into the camp of like people who mainly just play instruments so that they can write songs. Um, like I've never been super interested in being a shredding guitar player or like a super funky bass player, like that kind of stuff all, it's not that it doesn't appeal to me at all, but it's like, um, secondary to me. Yeah. There's a lot of effort you got put into like, uh, like perfecting an instrument for like performance. That was always my struggle when I was in music school was like sticking with something enough and like taking the time to really practice. It kind of always limited me to like getting to those top positions and those like, I totally get that. Oh yeah, yeah. The the discipline aspect of practicing by yourself, you know, like every single day, it, it is difficult. Um, and I don't blame anyone for not doing it because I certainly am not as consistent as I could be. Um, but but I also just like I mean because of the stuff I grew up listening to, um, I I was always just interested in writing good songs, you know. And so, like, I probably would spend more time writing lyrics at home um, than I would spend, you know, running scales because that was just more interesting to me. Um, Mm. And so, so yeah, like, I got into writing lyrics really early. I mean, and I was writing, it's hilarious, like, when I was, like, 12, I was just, like, writing lyrics about stuff that, like, I had no idea about, like, like you know like when you're when you're like watching tv i watched a lot of tv as a kid i still kind of do but like (laughs) um but like when you're watching tv as a kid and you like watch sitcoms or you watch like stand-up comedy or whatever like there's all these sort of like tropes that you hear about and you sort of assume it's real because you hear a lot of older men talking about it so like i had a song when i was 12 about how like that dress makes this hypothetical woman's butt look big or something. And like, it's like nothing that I would have ever written as soon as I had ever even had a girlfriend, you know, like, like that would never come up in my everyday life. And I don't really believe in commenting on people's bodies now at all. And like, so it's something I would never, ever show anybody now. But like, I think it's kind of funny to look back at some of those early songs where I just like, I was just like looking for something to write about because I was 12 and I had like nothing that was challenging me. You know, I had nothing that was like, uh, you know, whatever, uh, worth writing about really. Um, I see. But, just but kind of yeah. pulling things out. Yeah, just like figuring out something. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then also like spending a lot of time at school as the years went on, like flipping through the the catalogs with all the guitars in them and, and lusting after guitars and stuff. So I kind of like gear, but like, again, I, I don't I don't even really have all that nice of gear, just, you know, good enough stuff to get cool sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but anyway, sorry, uh, we, we sort of got off. You, oh, you wanted to you also wanted to know about um, what I'm up to currently. Which, yeah, yeah. Um, um, the, the solo record and the, uh, single that I currently have out, um, I'm releasing under the name Forest and Family, um, because, I mean, like, I could have just put it under my own name, but I kind of like band names, and, um, and... I knew that when I was putting this record together, I had all these songs that sounded pretty different from each other. Like there was a song that was, that was kind of like a straightforward rock song. And there was like a song that was kind of a country song. And there was like a song where I was doing sort of, I don't know, like an animal collective type thing uh, with like weird percussion sounds and like, yeah, anyway. I knew that it would be, since it would be stylistically diverse, I would need different people on every song. And um, and so because there's, I don't know, like 10 or 12 different musicians on this record, um, I haven't counted, but that's an estimate. It, uh, I sort of thought, you know, like we, we could sort of like lean into this is, this is like a family of people who have come together to... Um, to make it this way. And, and then that can also just be a catch all for any project that I put out. That's vaguely within the same stylistic parameters down the line, um, that involves whoever seems right for the project. Um, so it's not like a set band, but it's also not like, you know, I, I feel uncomfortable releasing music that's just under my name. If I'm not the only person who's been on it, you know, yeah, I I understand what you're saying and I actually really appreciate that. I can't really say I've heard or you know, had too many people come through here that have collaborated with that many people in one project. Um that sounds like a lot. Um a lot of coordination and a lot of collaboration. That's a um that's a great thing. Uh so what was the process for recording all that? Like, you know, getting all these different people coordinated and um you know, kind of trying to communicate the same concept, recording it, like what was kind of all that, you know, writing it, what was all that process? Well, I wrote the majority of the songs either by myself or with like one other person. So like, for instance, um, my friend Jay, I went over to his rehearsal studio one time um, and he helped me write the chord changes for like two songs that day. And then like, maybe a year later I sent him a text and I was like, Hey, remember those songs you helped me write? Do you want to actually like record them now? And, um, and well, okay. It really all, um, started with the fact that I was in this band called cold winds, which started off as a solo project when I was in college. But then I had these people I was working with on a, like a, a, a regular basis. And like with the, the combination of the people that I was in, we changed like the sound started evolving and started getting heavier and more like, um, I don't know if you're f- familiar with the s- subgenre of like post rock 
or or that kind of thing. But basically a lot of like in, instrumental heavy kind of stuff. And um, and it didn't make a lot of sense for me to, you know, when we're writing these like six minute, seven minute epic, heavy, grungy, whatever songs for me to like keep writing these kind of angsty lyrics about relationships for this band. And so I like made the conscious effort of like, okay, I'm not writing about girls anymore. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, I'm going to branch out. But then inevitably I would, I would, um, you know, I was on Tinder or whatever the hell. And I was like having these short lived relationships and like having feelings about them. And I kept writing those lyrics and I just didn't have anywhere to put them. So eventually I had like nine or 10 of those songs and I was like, shit I gotta do something with these songs you know and um my friend Nick who is in a band called Field Division um had recently moved back into town um and he and his partner in that band were like using Des Moines as a home base while they were working out some of the logistics of their first full-length record um and I just asked him if he wanted to make an album with me because um, he's he's a really, really good drummer, really, really good guitar player, really, really good singer. And um, and he had all of his own recording stuff, which he had accrued over some number of years. And uh, and he had worked in a pretty cool studio in Colorado called uh, Mountain Star Studio, I think. Um, and so he had a lot of, you know, engineering and production, um, experience as well as being a really versatile musician. And, and he grew up in the hardcore scene, but then like became more interested in doing like folk rock kind of stuff. And so I knew that he had this, um, appreciation for a lot of different styles. And so I could kind of just ask him to help with whatever I needed help with. And, uh, and when I sort of pitched it to him like that, like, okay, you, like my vision is you're going to play drums on everything and we're going to get other people to play other stuff and I'm going to play some stuff and, uh, you know, you just help me make these songs. Um, and he was like, he was like, yeah, that sounds really cool and really fun. And um, so we did that over the course of about a year, uh, 2018, 2019, basically. Um you know, like, and like you said, when it came to who was going to do what, it was kind of just like, oh, I feel like Ben Dixon would totally rip a lead on this song, you know, or like Ryan Steer might have a, a really good, really tasteful uh, guitar part for this. Or, you know, there was there was a couple of songs that I wasn't even sure who I was going to have play bass on them. And then uh, V Ellsbury who's in a band called Bitter Canyon and their uh, solo project is called Lionessa. Um, they live in Ames and they had like, I don't remember what they heard, but they heard like something of mine and they were like, oh yeah, you know, if you, if you want me to be on anything on your record, just let me know. And I was like, oh, actually, do you want to play bass on a couple of songs? And it worked out, like, way better than I even thought it would. So there was a lot of these tunes where, like, maybe somebody, maybe I would, like, send somebody uh, a demo before they came to the session. It would be a demo of, like, just me singing and playing guitar. 
and mostly it would sound like trash. And because um, until recently, I haven't had good recording stuff of my own. And um, and maybe I would have a chord chart typed out for them. Um, and they and they would sort of just maybe they would study it, practice it once or twice before the session. And then they, they would just come in and do their best. And um, some people I had to give a little bit of direction and some people just were the right person for the job already and and they just knocked it out you know um like that guy jay i mentioned before there was a song where like it was kind of like a country rock song like uh i don't know i guess i was i was kind of hoping for the vibe of like highway 61 bob dylan you know and i was like i was like okay you know i just i just wanted to like have those country scales but like be gnarly and um and so he started off doing some very cliche sort of like pretty country stuff and i was like no 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 make it gnarly and so like we we probably did like 10 takes where i was just like no heavier gnarlier grosser you know like make it dirty and uh and then finally after i i told him after every single take make it nastier you know we got we got a few that we could kind of like put together, you know, uh, that that were like really cool. Um, so there was so yeah, it was a little bit of everything. It was a little bit of this person is already right for the job, and and um, well, everybody was right for the job, but but it was a little bit of some people more direction than others. Some people they would be like, "Is that okay?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you." <laughs> so this is like two yeah. years in the making then pretty much yeah i mean part of it is you, that you like said i 2018, said 2018 right yeah from 2018 to 2019 we were recording it um a lot of that was that nick would go on tour you know or uh and so like it would be a couple of months that he was gone and so we we just had kind of had to work around his touring schedule um and uh and also yeah like some of those sessions you know you had to plan it a month or two in advance um to to get like a group of three or four people in a space to to record together um and so yeah like it it, it took a little while but um actually the Janucci power record has taken way longer to make um <laughs> like i think we started that one in 2016 or 2017 and oh and that's, wow and that's in the final stages of the final wow so a lot of a lot of attention to detail um i really appreciate when artists do that um i had a question what was it oh uh when when can we expect this to be released do you have any estimation or what or like how how close are you to it being done or do you, and do you have any estimated time frame masters last week and said you know listen to these a few times let me know if there's anything any little changes and and uh i attempted to do that listen while i was playing some video games and my my attention was completely away from it so i so i need to give those a couple of close listens and uh but i i think it's pretty much done as far as like 
actually making the music. But, uh, you know, as far as rolling out a physical product, you know, you have to like, you have to get people to do art and uh, you have to figure out how you're going to pay for making CDs or whatever. And um, that stuff's going to take a little more time. So I'm just telling people early next year right now, um, which I'm hoping means like February or March, okay. maybe. Um, it's not too far out. A couple no, months. no I, I think it's feasible. Um, just going to have to figure out some logistics, which is, yeah, you know, the worst part. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really I'd, be really cool if I could just make music and and then it just would exist. But um, <laughs> that is not the reality. Yeah, uh, point, everything you put out could just sit somewhere and just um, collect money. But unfortunately, that doesn't work yeah, out. Yeah, that ain't how it works. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that being said, I, I do like I, – I, I prefer – the idea of having something that people can hold in their hands and, and like look at and, and, uh, keep as opposed to, you know, when I was, when I was younger, I, we, we, we would just like burn CDRs and have these sort of like shitty looking covers and stuff. And I don't think anybody cared about it, like in, ourselves included. So like it was, it, it, it's sort of special to have a physical, copy of something with like a good quality presentation. I mean, if you went to my Bandcamp page for Forest and Family, I have a I have a 7-inch record for sale of like the 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 singles that I put out earlier this year and um and that thing looks beautiful. I have no I have no shame whatsoever or humbleness about about it because I think it's just like a really good-looking product and um and yeah, when I uh, when Cold Winds was active, you know, we we like didn't skimp on the shirts and stuff because we wanted people to like really like wearing the shirt, and uh, and so and sure enough, I had multiple people tell me this is the most comfortable band shirt I own, you know, and uh, so like yeah, that that kind of stuff like even though the music is really the part that I like doing, I think if you're gonna bother to try and get people to spend money on your on your band or whatever your project um you had better care about it you know you'd better put some effort into it yeah that's really interesting you uh have physical copies like how do you go about doing that do you go you have a company you go through um friend how you how do you go about doing that and do you do Uh, do you do cds and vinyls or what do you all do well for the singles that i was putting out i um I was planning on not putting those two songs on on the record because they were a little bit too different from the rest of the songs uh, in terms of style, aesthetic, whatever. They were a little bit more similar to like some of the emo music that I was into when I was younger and have really never stopped. I've never really stopped being an emo kid. I'm 30 and I'm still kind of an emo kid. So, um, So like I felt like those didn't quite feel at home with the other songs. So I wanted to put those out independently of the rest of it. And I sort of thought, you know, I would be sort of annoyed if somebody was trying to get me to buy a CD with two songs on it. Um, what's the point yeah, of having a CD convinced. with two songs on it? You know, I don't so, think you convince many people to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so I thought a seven inch record is, um, is the perfect thing for this, you know, 
do do a classic single you know like when I'll, I'll come back to the Beatles again because I'm corny like that. Um, when when I was like younger and my dad was first showing me how the turntable worked, you know, he had a whole box of 45s and it would be one song on each side. And I was like, let's do it like that. You know, like, let's make it an old school single. Um, and there's also a download card in there, which has actually two of the songs from the full record okay. attached. Um, so, yes, I went through a company. I, I like... Um, I actually saw somebody else's post about like, who should I get vinyl made with? And, uh, Chris Ford, who was my two episodes ago for straightening the record was, uh, he said, uh, he recommended A to Z media because they have like small, they do shorter runs for their Mm -hmm. minimum order than a lot of other people do. Okay. Um, So how much is the minimum order then? I'm just curious. Uh, it was 250 copies. Okay. Um, which is, which is, yeah, I mean, I still have about 200 of those sitting in my closet <laughs> because I haven't been able to play shows. Um, I was going to ask. <laughs> if I can so, imagine, just, yeah. So, yeah, if you, so, yeah, if you like the sound of, um, you know, reliving a little bit of your, your emo past uh, listeners, um you know, go to forestandfamily.bandcamp.com and uh, order my seven inch, and uh, and then I can have fewer of these in my closet, and you can have more emo in your vinyl collection. Uh, we'll put a link I in know- the description. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> there's my little plug. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I just thought a seven inch made the most sense for for consuming two songs if I was going to have a physical copy of it at all. And then for this next thing, it's about a half hour long. So I think a CD makes sense. Um, I, I might do vinyl too. I might do, there's a, there's a couple of guys here in Des Moines who do like individual lathe cut records. Um, and they, so they only do runs of like 25 or something. Um, and so, like, I was thinking maybe I would do like mainly CDs for the full, for the full album, but like do a a small number of like super limited vinyl for it as well. Um, but that's all kind of theoretical right now. It's all kind of up in the air. I'm I'm trying to figure out what the what the best you know, the marketing stuff. I'm not I'm not very good at it. It's not I don't really have a mind <laughs> for business, you know. So hmm. so I'm just like sort of consulting with some other friends of mine and just being like what what do you guys think makes sense and going back and forth with them. And those are like the guys that do my art as well. Um Okay. They have a they have a company called Recluse Collective. Um and I used to work with them at Mars Cafe and they're both really really cool guys. Um Shouts out Recluse Collective, their uh, their their art's really cool, um, and it's definitely like an aesthetic that I think a lot of people could get into. Where it's it's like a little bit, um, well, I don't I don't know this art I don't know art terms, but it but it feels a little bit more like a streetwear type thing to me than than what a lot of other people do. But they also like. They're also very accommodating of the direction that I give them. Um, and so we find a, a pretty nice middle ground between what they 
already would do and what the, the, the ideas that I have in mind for like how to represent my art. Okay. That, that's, uh, that's really cool that, uh, that you're doing all that and putting forth that kind of effort to, uh, you know, put out a release. I feel like kind of the contrast in hip hop is a lot of it's digital. So, you know, it's, you know, it's more so people putting out smaller things in quick succession is a lot more of the pattern. So I, I really appreciate, um, you know, seeing someone from Iowa really taking time to put forth a, you know, a, you know, even a physical release, you know, that's, that's really old school and, uh, it's kind of cool. Well, I think, yeah, I think it's something that has become less common in the hip hop community because of, um, sort of the, I know it's, I know it's sort of like not a real thing, but like the SoundCloud rap. Yeah. Wave. Oh no, no, that that's like a genre. Yeah. Well, yeah, like yeah. I know it, that, I know yeah. it is, but, but a lot of people who aren't even on SoundCloud will be called that too. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's like a, it sort of became like an aesthetic. But, yeah, it's um, a style that came out of that app and all that, I would say. Yeah. Um, and I guess I guess it's just, uh, yeah, there's a lot of us who, you know, are are into like rock and are into, you know, whatever subgenre you want to call it, indie or, you know, whatever. And who who have never stopped appreciating having a physical copy you know a lot of us who who just enjoy like looking at the art you know like i don't mind digital only releases at all but the one yeah. thing with that that like bugs me is that um there's there's no when i when i have like a record you know i have a 12 inch record it's like this big you know um I can look at the art and it's huge and it like looks good and um, and it gives me something to enjoy along with the music. Um, and like the, this year, Phoebe Bridger's record had like beautiful packaging. And I think that stuff is, I mean, you're probably right that it's a little bit old school, but I, I think it's kind of important to have the full package. Um, I mean, like I said, I don't have anything against digital releases, and and in in a sense, it's more practical because it means you can just crank them out. the The idea of straightening the record, even though there there are some um, some biographical elements as well, is that I'm I'm just more focused on how people uh, make their music, you know more more focused on creative process songwriting um and if i ask people about their influences it's usually because there's an influence that maybe i i wouldn't expect that they've that they've talked about or something like that for instance um in the ancient posse episode when i was doing my research for that i saw on their website that like in their bio, it mentions that Camila, the uh, lead vocalist, um, was into ACDC as a kid. And I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a stereotype, but I don't expect black women to be interested in ACDC. <laughs> and, um, and so I asked her about that. I was like, is that sort of a throwaway thing or, or is that like a real 
influence of yours? Like, are you really into classic rock? You know, because you sound to me like somebody who's into Beyonce and stuff, but I'm, I'm genuinely interested, you know, those are the sorts of things that, that kind of pop out and, um, and make me interested is when somebody says they're influenced by something and they don't sound like that at all. Um, and those connections fascinate me. Hmm. I can see that though, because, you know, I think, because I really listened to ACDC a lot. I always, uh, I was talking about how ACDC was really my first gateway into like real music, I guess, just cause I kind of grew up in a, um, you know, uh, what's the term? Strict environment. There you go. Um, but, um, yeah, I can see, I can see like the correlation between, did you say she's more, she is into Beyonce and that kind of stuff or to paraphrase her explanation, um, which, you know, people should just go listen to the episode, but, but, um, to paraphrase her explanation, she sort of gets her approach to performing as a, you know, like her stage persona or her stage, uh, presence more from like guys like Mick Jagger than, some of the people that they're actually trying to sound like, you know, like earlier, I, I think I compared them to, uh, Solange, you know, or, or, uh, Janelle Monet or FKA twigs a little bit. Um, and, and like, even though those, that's kind of the sound they're going for, they have this very, uh, they have a little bit different of a presentation, which, uh, she kind of explained as like, and, and it's so funny that I didn't even notice it as many times as I saw them play live. Um, it never occurred to me that she was doing some serious Mick Jagger moves <laughs> up there on stage, you know, like, and that was the kind of thing, you know, like that was kind of where a lot of that came from. She said was that, you know, getting into metal and getting into classic rock when she was a teenager or whatever. Um, and yeah, that's the kind of stuff that people do not ask you if you only have, a thousand facebook followers yeah yeah i mean or or less you know yeah i i i definitely and you know i think that's i appreciate you know the people who are doing this in this community um you know podcasting you know getting people who are on their shows I, I think that's such an important thing i think there's a lot of overshadowing that happens in the music industry as a whole in the u.s um in the world you know you know also uh you know, flyover states, the Midwest, people don't really, you know, look towards here when it comes to music. And I think that's really sad because there's a lot of variety and diversity in music and there's so much talent, so much, so many different things going on. Oh yeah. There are a lot of, a lot of great musicians coming out of Des Moines who, you know, whether it's just that they haven't found the connections because they're not from an industry city or, um, if they're maybe just not that interested in being part of the industry, uh, you know, people don't know. Cause I mean, the music industry is pretty fucking toxic from what I understand. You know, I have some friends who have been involved with labels, um, and who have tried to, you know, make it quote unquote. And, um, it sounds really difficult. <laughs> it sounds really difficult and unpleasant and, uh, a lot, yeah, a lot of stuff you just don't really want to have to deal with. Um, and so I understand if people don't want to 
you know, take it to that next level as, as they say, or whatever. Um, but I, I think they still deserve to talk about their music if it's good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, they always kind of say like someone who puts more time into an independent career in music, they're a going to be happier. And there's actually potential that they can make more money because it's more of a gradual growth. It's not like these people who get signed on these labels, they get a huge payout then they spend it in five years and then they're fucked, you know? Well, right. And also the fact that, um, with a lot of record label contracts, they give you that money, but you actually owe them that money. You have to pay them back that money. Um, you know, they'll give you, let's say a seven or $10,000 advance on your album but that's an advance. That's a loan, you know? So every Spotify play, um, you know, every record sale that comes through the, the web store, they don't see any of that money. It goes straight back to the record label. And um, whereas, you know, like I'm, I'm really interested in, in DIY. Um, I mean, I, I listen to a lot of interviews with uh, Steve Albini, who is a pretty well-known mm. um, recording engineer. And yeah, yeah. One of the things he talks about often when people ask him about his sort of uh, ethos is that, you know, as soon as... I think his line is... Um, if somebody, if you're giving somebody a percentage of your money, they're already getting paid too much, you know. <laughs> and uh, and so so his his sort of idea and the same idea that a lot of DIY punk people have and a lot of other DIY you know of other genres is just that like if you do it for yourself, there's nobody else who gets that money. That's all yours, you know. Um, you aren't going to be the last person who gets paid. You're going to be the first person who gets paid. And, um, and of course that does mean that you have to come up with initial investments. You know, like I, like I said before, like I have to find money to, to roll out the merch for my solo project. I have to find money to roll out the CDs and everything. Um, but then once I actually sell stuff, I don't, I don't have to worry about who else that money goes to. It just goes back into my pocket. And so that's, I think, a more sustainable model in the long term, as you said. And, um, and I think it's, it's something that probably more and more people are becoming aware of with the, you know, the Internet making it possible to do these things, to just like directly upload everything to every streaming service even though that doesn't pay you much it um it's still like a way that people can immediately access your music and you don't have there's no barrier to it really yeah yeah and i think to the accessibility yeah i think there's something to be said with that too you know with you know just trying to compete on the internet and the you know the massive platform that is i mean the I, we had uh, Ontario Phoenix on. He's a rapper. We're not gonna air his pod or his episode for a few, but he put a lot of emphasis on you know paying for you know getting into the algorithm, like paying to get on the Spotify. You know how how important that is to you know find success. So I guess I guess I'm just wondering. You kind of say, um, you know that 
was it? Um, if you're giving a certain percentage, you're losing. I'm wondering if that's just inevitable. I mean, even at those streaming services, you, you have to, they give you, they take out a percent. Well, <laughs> they, they take more than a percent. They take most of it. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah like 20 or something um, like but, that. Yeah. But it only costs like, you know, like I went through DistroKid um, and I think it cost me like $35 to put my my single yeah. on, on everything. So like oh, it's wow. a pretty, so it's a pretty small initial, and you know, they give you options so that you can spend more money, of course. Um, yeah. They want more of your money. But, uh, mm-hmm. but there's... It's a it's a fairly small initial investment compared to owing a record label ten thousand dollars. Yeah, that's definitely to distribute true. your stuff for you. You know. Yeah. No. The the independent route is you know I I think especially in this day and age by far a superior route. I think I think back in the day when people didn't have the means of technology, you know, it cost. I mean, it still costs a relatively you know large sum of money to get the recording equipment that you need. You know, even for something like this, but. Rel- you know, comparative to what it was, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it's still relatively cheaper or, you know, quite a bit cheaper. So, yeah. I, you know, I think there's something to be said for that, too, is, you know, maybe we as people not just living now, we don't really need that. We don't really need to look towards those record labels. We can get to a point where people can figure it out on their own and, you know, create music independently. Right. And there are there are also good independent labels that once you've um, once you've shown that you have like the ability to create music um, on your own terms that will then help you do that. You know, like there are artists that that I listen to who don't seem to worry about that stuff very much, you know, because they because they maybe did a record or two by themselves and then you know, maybe they got signed to something like, uh, polyvinyl or, uh, you know, I, I guess like bright eyes and Phoebe Bridgers are on dead oceans. And so there's like a lot of one of the other nice things about the collapse of the sort of like mainstream music industry is that there are more independent labels now that, that care more about your art getting made, um, than lining their pockets or whatever. Um, and yeah, some of the independent labels of yesteryear, like uh, um, Sub Pop, you know, have become more of the mainstream model, which is unfortunate. But, uh, but there are just tons and tons of independent labels that you can then reach out to once you kind of like have your hustle on lock or whatever. Um, and there are even a couple of independent labels here in Des Moines, you know, there's, there's, uh, yeah. uh um, Sonic, I mean, I what's that in the Sonic factory? That's, I believe that's one, right? Well, that's a studio, but they don't, they don't oh, do okay. like, they don't do like distribution or representation or anything okay, like that. Okay. I don't know. What yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, there's, there's like a station one, um, they represent Marqueus and Lilia Dete and I think Sires and um, their own station one is the same people who own uh, uh, that place by Drake. That's not lefties. Um, wow. I'm having a real brain fart on camera right now. Um, but 
but yeah, uh, the, they're really cool. And there's uh, Sump Pump Records, um, who you know they're like fairly selective about who they distribute, but like basically they um, they've released a lot of stuff that I really like. Uh, Annalie Barra, um, Skin of Earth, uh, a lot of good indie and and uh, metal and um, kind of weirder music. Um, so the, so yeah, you can, you can do it all yourself or you can have a little help from your friends or, you know, there, there's a lot of avenues to go. And I think, um, I think eventually the model of Spotify and everything will collapse because nobody gets paid and, uh, people will, and they're talking about paying people less now, you know? So, uh, like there have been news items lately of like, they're gonna, you know, take more, to boost your stuff more or whatever. And it's like, how do you take more than 99% of the fucking revenue? Like that's crazy. Uh, I don't know what the actual numbers are. I just said 99%, but it's like literally like three thousandths of a cent per stream or something like huh. that. So, so it's like pretty, it's pretty unreasonable to, to even think about taking any more, I think. Um, and, so I think your band camps and your sound clouds and stuff like that will incrementally become more, more the model. Yeah. I heard something too, that uh Spotify was going to start doing, you know, something similar to what we were talking about, like the music industry is how they, you know, they pay you, you know, a certain amount of money and then, you know, so you're like an artist. So, I mean, it's basically just the, it's like the concept of those seventies, eighties record companies, but it's like, being applied to like a gargantuan streaming service. So I, I do agree with what you're saying. I do think that there is going to be a time where that's going to become, um, obsolete, hopefully. Uh, yeah. how do you, how do you go? Sorry, go ahead. It's still like a relatively new thing. So like they, I don't think that, I don't think the, the model changing is really that far away, you know? Um, I think, I think the fact that, I mean, I've only had it since 2014 or something. Uh, and I know that, I know that I was like a little late on it, but like, you know, less than 10 years, it's been a thing. So, so like, it's not, it's not the industry giant that a lot of people are sort of consider it to be. It's, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And, uh, so yeah, I would like to see it become less of a thing, but for now you will find most of my stuff on all of that, all of those platforms. Um, but also on Bandcamp and stuff, because that's where people can directly download your stuff and you get a way bigger cut of the money. So, mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, you could. Uh, how do you go about, you know, finding your guests, outreaching to your guests? How do you go about that process? Yeah, yeah. What's like, how do you find people? Um, you know, how frequently do you have people? Right. So the currently my release schedule is I do one a month um, because I want to be able to, I mean, I approach the podcast similarly to how I approach my music, which is like, I don't, I kind of don't care if there isn't a huge quantity. I want to make every episode like really good and really dialed in and um, well thought out. And stuff like that. So, um, where do I find the people? Typically, it's people whose music I already know. Um, 
to some degree or another. You know, maybe I've seen them performing live multiple times and I'm really wowed by them. Maybe um, I haven't seen them a lot, but I listen to their music a lot. Um, a lot of people that I've known for years. I mean, like you said, you it, it's smart to start off with people you know well. So most of my guests for these first 10 episodes or whatever have been people who are my good friends. Um, I think maybe the worst episode I recorded was the second one where like it was people that I knew from the music scene and I enjoyed their music, but I realized that uh, I did not really have my shit together yet after I did the episode with them because like um, I needed to, I needed to think more about how I was going to do it and stuff. And we ended up only having like a, 25 minute episode instead of like the usual hour plus that I that I do and so to me that was a signifier of like oh I really didn't have enough to talk to them about um and that wasn't their fault at all so I felt sort of bad um but aside from that episode I think everyone that I've put out has been a lot of fun and it has been like totally worth listening to because you know if you if you would like to get more into independent music or local music, um, these people, these people are all people who care a lot about what they do and, and ha and we've had thoughtful conversations, you know, and, um, and they're also fun, you know, like I don't just talk, like, I, like I said, I like to focus on creative process, but like, I'll also, you know, ask them what kind of video games they like to play if i've like looked at their social media and i know that they play a lot of video games like we'll kind of get into that kind of stuff or like um oh you know there, there's a lot of different stuff you know like if you if you only do an episode once a month you can you can think pretty hard about what you're going to talk about and what you're going to do and um and you can do a lot of research. And so I, I typically will like, once I've picked somebody and we've got the interview scheduled, I'll just listen to their albums every day for, for like two or three weeks before I talk to them. Oh, wow. So, so I know like the majority of their lyrics and I can ask them really specific stuff or like, Oh dang. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of depth. I don't even know if I'd do that. <laughs> well, you do, you you have a much more rigorous uh, release schedule. And, yeah, definitely. And so so like you you kind of can't. Um, <laughs> it's a trade off, you know. If if yeah, people yeah. people support straightening the record, um, you know, they only get one episode per month, but but they're gonna get a scenario where I've looked really deeply into every guest and um, and I try my hardest to to make it um the best interview they've ever done um and i've had more than one person say i mean not i this is a little bit braggy but i've had a, a more than one person say that's like the best interview i've ever done after i've finished recording with them so um and I think on the one hand, that speaks to the fact that I care, but it also speaks to the fact that a lot of independent artists just don't get to do good interviews. Yeah. So, so yeah, shouts out to you as well, because you, cause you're, you're covering a lot of the people that I'm not, and so is Jordan. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and 
I kind of wish I could do the thing like Jordan does where I collaborate with people on songs, but I'm not mm. good at enough instruments. Like, like when yeah. I was on Jordan's show, I just sent him guitar and vocals and he did everything else, you know? And, uh, so, so my, my format is I just play two of their songs. I just ask them, what are two songs that you think represent you well? And, uh, so there'll be the one at the front and the one at the back interview in between, you know? Um, okay. and I, and, and there's also like an accompanying, uh, Spotify playlist where if you, if you like the person's stuff or you can just like listen through that and like see who else is on there or you can like go to their Spotify page or whatever. I don't know. I just thought it'd be nice to have some songs that are featured on there. So, yeah, no, uh, that's an important thing. Um, have you had any, like, not that I've noticed any, but I'm just kind of curious as a podcaster, have you had any like negative interactions? Like have you had, um, you know, people say negative things on the show or have you, you know, I think something that I've had happen to me is you have an artist who, you know, is a great artist, but then they come to the show and they're not really a great podcast guest. Like, have you, I mean, not to call anyone out, but I mean, have you had any, have you had anything like that happen? Has that been a challenge for um, you at all? Not really. Um, I mean, <laughs> there were like, uh, I think in the Good Morning Midnight episode, Charlie and Griffin and I ended up talking. We had a bit of a conversation about how Des Moines is not an easy place or like Iowa is not an easy place to uh, to get into the music business like we were talking about earlier. And uh, and there was there was somebody who I mentioned on mic that um, that had moved away because they had come to this realization maybe. Uh, and that was purely speculative. I didn't really know that that was the reason, right? But I knew that the person was like trying to take their career more seriously. And so it made sense for them to go away. Um, and so I just edited their name out when when one or the other of us said their name, you know. Um, it's, it's not really anybody's job to throw shade or to like take somebody else down. So I don't really see the point in that so I like usually try to stay away from that kind of thing I think I think there's really no point in um you know talking about things you don't like yeah no like that's kind of what I do like I there isn't really a point of like stirring the pot especially with artists um because it's just not good content I mean people aren't listening to you know Force Cochran or Ontario Phoenix they aren't listening to those people to like have a debate about whatever you know um right so I, I definitely get what you're saying there um so yeah i mean i've no it's been an overwhelmingly positive experience um and I, and again i think with the with the honey creeper episode it was more my fault that that we didn't have as good of like like there were some questions that i thought maybe this would be like a good jumping off point for a conversation and then they'd kind of just be like nope <laughs> oh like, I, I get that man yeah yeah so it's so it's kind of like you know it's a learning experience every every episode every album every show is a learning experience um to improve your own craft and yeah so thus far i've i've had no reason to be upset about any of that stuff well that's good man i think the, and i think that's a common trend with uh um with things going on in Iowa, I I sense 
I sense a lot of positivity overall. Um, you mentioned, I think I mentioned this earlier. You mentioned the hiatus. Um, what, what kind of, what was that all about? What kind of went into that? Um, how long uh, of a break did you take? I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> yeah. Again, it, it was, it was sort of a, an issue of a learning curve and like a dissatisfaction with the tools that I had at my disposal at the time. Um, you know, I started off just having this like USB mic that I would sort of put in the middle of the room when I would have people over to do the show and, you know, like one mic for two people to talk into who are sitting, you know, like, you know, pre COVID we could still sit sort of close to each other, but like we usually wouldn't, we, you know, it'd be like somebody's at the one end of the couch or like, and I'm, I'm like in this chair at the other end or something. And, and so the voices would sort of like not be picked up that well, or like maybe they would kick the table or set down their drink and it go, you know? And, uh, and then there was like, there was like two different interviews where either I forgot to save or something else weird happened and they just disappeared. And I was able to redo one of those um, because my guest was very gracious. Um, but the second one, it was like somebody who doesn't live in Des Moines and they had to come to town to do it. Or like maybe they had a gig in Des Moines the same night. So we like set it up. So they came to Des Moines three hours before their gig to talk to me for two hours and then go to their (laughs) gig. And it's like, yeah. So, so like, I didn't want to have this situation where I was just like beating myself over the head, trying to make this stuff work and not having it even come out that good once I had done all this work on it. And, um, so yeah, I just, I was like, ah, this isn't working. And so I didn't do it for a couple of years. And then it's funny, like, I think a lot of people started podcasts because of the pandemic and it kind of looked like Mm. I did too, because I recorded an episode (laughs) in, in like March or something and then mm. it all happened, and then I forget if my my first one of this year came out in March or in April, but it was, like, right around the same time, but I had actually been thinking about doing it again since, like, January. Um, and so I, I, like, had a lot of thoughts about, like, oh, you know, people are going to think I'm just, you know, doing this because everybody's <laughs> doing this now or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Was it every, uh, everybody and their mom has a podcast nowadays? <laughs> right, right. Um, which, like, I don't think is a bad thing, really. It's like you know, no, most of no, them, most of them won't be popular. But if they don't care about that, then it's fine. No, I mean, I didn't care about that at all when I started this thing. Um, I, I literally was just like, I don't care if a single fucking person does this. I'm just, I, I. I got into this thing where I just wanted to talk and, you know, do podcasts and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I can imagine there being uh, some discrepancy. I, I've been lucky so far and haven't had two major uh, technical issues, but I always have so much anxiety about the day that I just completely delete an episode. And <laughs> Yeah, happened to me it's twice, gone, man, you know. Damn. It happened to me twice that first year. So that was so that was why I took two years off because I mm. thought this is not working. I'm Stressful. doing it wrong, you know. And uh and I just need to I need to take a step back and and I was in three bands at the time. So it was like oh, it was wow. All, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. So it was like I mean 
I was just, you know, I was working and doing three bands and, uh, you know, trying to date and trying to go to shows that my friends were playing. And like, it was just a lot of stuff. And I was like, I don't really need to be doing a podcast right now. Um, and it, yeah. And then earlier this year, I sort of thought, well, you know, I, I got access to a, a recording interface and more mics and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I, I might be able to try this again. So that was why I came, so that was why I came back with, uh, Nilani Proctor, who's from Keokuk, who's a great, great singer songwriter. And, um, not only does like cool folky stuff, but also like has kind of a weird electronic project called Cancer Leo. And, um, and she's in like a, a punky band, um, called depression which is it's got a cute spelling i promise um i i couldn't i can't remember what it was but but i thought you know i i'd played a lot of shows with nilani and i thought she was really great and um and i had seen that she had had a few of these very shallow interviews and i thought it would be it would be great to have her be the the first one back and so i did um and yeah like i said because of the I also took this break because of, well, partially because of Black Lives Matter and not wanting to do self-promotion at that time, and partially because I ended up going and uh, hanging out in Portland again for about a month this summer. Um, my, my friend Eli had been talking to me on the phone a lot um, after New York totally shut down. He had been living out in New York. And, um, he, he left New York and he was living in, um, North Carolina for like two months by himself, um, doing nothing but like working remotely and writing songs. And he like sent me all these demos and I really, really liked the songs and I was doing nothing here, you know? Like I said on Jordan's podcast back in May, I was like, I get up whenever I want, I listen to music, I play video games, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was doing nothing, and uh, except for podcasts. And because uh, like none of my bands were practicing or anything like that. And uh, so when Eli was saying he was going to drive from North Carolina to Portland and record his album in Portland, I said, Can I come? <laughs> you know? And, and so I ended up, I, I thought it was going to be like a two or three week thing. I ended up being in Portland for five weeks to, to help, just to help with this record, which actually was only like, I mean, I think we rehearsed four times and did like two recording sessions while I was there. So, so I wasn't actually working on music most of that time, but, um, but I was, I enjoyed being there, you know. I, uh, I got to go to the dispensaries and I, and they have some of these really cool little, um, outdoor food cart pods, which feel, you know, relatively safe to go to, or at least more so than a bar that, you know, only has indoor seating and that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, and we had a pretty good time and, uh, but but I was out there for for more than a month and and I didn't bring you know my desktop computer with me that I do my editing on and stuff so I had uh, yeah I just got behind on the podcast schedule a little bit for for those couple of months um, and now I'm finally feeling like I'm kind of caught up again a, a little bit later where like oh okay now 
maybe in January I can hit up some of these people that I wanted to hit up this year or like said, I want to have you on next, but then didn't get around to it and stuff like that. So um, I think 2021 probably have 10 or 12 episodes instead of like eight or nine or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, looking to, looking to keep upping the game, you know, making every, every episode better, you know, and everything like that. Yeah, man. I, I like what you're doing. If you ever need a guest, uh, hit me up. I'm always down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I have an album I I did. I, I rapped on it. Um, I just put that out. Actually, I guess it would have been this last year. It would have been, yeah, spring of this last year. So, yeah, yeah I'll you should to, I'll th- send me some of that stuff. And also, don't take it personally if I don't hit you up to be on the show because, like I said, I'm I'm like kind of just weird about you know like i have to i have to pick people who i can who i can listen to their stuff every single day until we talk you know that kind of stuff um so i very particular (laughs) i'm I'm a little bit particular i mean i guess i'll say about my music taste that um i like all styles of music but that doesn't mean that i like all music you know yeah no i i totally understand that like, uh, I, I don't know. I have a whole thing about, and you guys talked about this a little bit when you had Jordan on your show. Um, I just kind of have a thing where I just want everything to be unique, you know? And, um, there's a lot of music in the world that I'm, that I don't feel they try as hard to be themselves, you know, or to be unique. And so there's a lot of times that, I hear things and I, I'm, I'm not, I don't think it sucks, but I'm also not excited about it, you know? Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying there. I kind of sometimes, like kind of saying earlier, I kind of wish I had more of that, uh, you know, I think next year I'm going to try and take some time and really look at the people that I want to have on and, you know, instead of just kind of saying, you know, boom, 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 just kind of throwing people on. You know, maybe maybe do a little more of that, some more deep dive, and really think about: Do I really want this person on? Um, and not to diss anyone. I mean, everyone on the show has been great, but I I do kind of I see what you're saying. There there are better guests, and you know, they're good guests for podcasts, and you know, better people that are musicians, etc. Cetera, et cetera. You just you know, all different kinds of people. Um, well, and yeah, and yeah, as sorry, you said, uh, you, you kind of always have to start somewhere and then just work from that. So, uh, you know, just the same as like I started out with a lot of my close friends, you know, I'd like to I'd like to get to the point where I'm talking to independent music musicians who aren't from Iowa originally. You know, I would like to talk to great independent musicians from New York or Portland or or wherever and then also come back home when there are exciting things coming out of here as well, you know. And um yeah. So you're definitely not opposed to, you know, outreaching outside of Iowa. Definitely not. Um actually, well like like I said, I talked to Ancient Posse earlier and they're originally from Des Moines, but they live in New York now. And um one of the people that I've talked to about being on in the near future is, well, my, my friend Nick, who helped me do this solo album, but he, he also is in this band Field Division, and they're putting out uh, singles this year and stuff. And 
Uh, I haven't, you know, I, I don't know that they've gotten a lot of really good interviews under their belt. And, uh, and they're in Denton, Texas now. Um, so like, and the, and so like, yeah, I've, I've sort of ever so slightly edged away from Iowa to like people who are outside of Iowa, but are still in my social sphere. And then like, you know, there, yeah, there are going to be people who maybe I know from playing shows with them over the years or who maybe I've, I've just been a fan of their music, um, that I reach out to as well, uh, down the line. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the process, you know, uh, I hear you talk, I'm, this is kind of a tangent, but, uh, I hear you talking about video games. I kind of game a little bit myself. I'm curious what you play. <laughs> yeah. LOL. <laughs> you know, it's not like good thing, I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't get I could not get into that game. I I, I will not lie. Uh it's a lot it's a lot of grinding. Oh wow. I still have I suck. Uh, and so I've always, I've always like kind of come back and, you know, go, gone back and forth with it of like, Oh, I hate this game. Like I never want to play this again. And then like, so I just won't play for, for months and then I'll sort of get the itch again to get back on the rift and, and, you know, but, and, and there's been some, some changes they've made, made recently that have made my play style work better. Like I enjoy playing tanks and, and like, uh, tanks that have a lot of CC and stuff like that, um, you know, doing knockups and stuns and all that kind of stuff and just going in there and like charging in and soaking up all the damage while other people carry. Um, but they've actually, they've, they've kind of made it so that tanks can carry this, this coming season. So I'm a little bit excited about that. Uh, that, that now the role that I've always enjoyed doing the most is more viable than it used to. Um, but outside of League, um, historically, I've, I've enjoyed a, like a lot of RPG games. Like, uh, you know, I, I like the Elder Scrolls games. I like the Fallout games, even though like some of those are kind of like corny and poorly written. Um, but it's still like, you know, it's a world that you can put yourself in and you can like do your character however you want and stuff like that. Um, and I enjoy a lot of the, the combat mechanics of those types of games. Um, I've also played like, I think I played the first Mass Effect and I enjoyed that, but I did, I didn't, I didn't like get super into it. Um, I played both of the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic games, um, which I thought those were a lot of fun. And I think those would have made way cooler movies than the last trilogy they put out. Um, <laughs> but that yeah. might be a hot take. Um, no, I, I, I do not disagree with you, man. I was not a fan of those myself. So, Yeah, I mean, Adam Driver is such a great actor, I, and, and he kind of, like, it's, like, exactly the same thing as, well, and also not just Adam Driver, but also, like, uh, uh, the dude who played Finn, uh, John Boyega, great actor, fantastic yeah, yeah. actor. And just like in every other Star Wars movie, you've got really, really good actors who have not a lot to work with 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Think, of, think about the bullshit dialogue Natalie Portman had to try to make convincing in the, in the prequel trilogies, you know? Like, uh, I think that's... I think the biggest tragedy of all of the Star Wars franchise is how good of actors they had and how bad of dialogue and, like, how bad of, like... <laughs> character development they gave these actors to work with uh yeah you know you, you had samuel l jackson going out going out like a bitch out that window you know and stuff and <laughs> and um you know the dude barely got to say anything uh it's 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 a tragedy because i like star wars a lot i like that you know like if you take out all of the details that are terrible about it the story is really good <laughs> which is yeah you know. It's a, it's a classic, uh, you know, uh, hero archetype. Uh, you know, George Lucas studied a lot of mythology and a lot of, uh, you know, old texts. You know, inspiring Star Wars. Um, it's really, I think that original trilogy is really underappreciated by um, a lot of the newer generations. And you know, those newer movies, I thought they were so overproduced. You know, you could tell they were movies made by, uh, you know, a group of suits at a table and not you know, a guy really, you know, an individual or group of people really trying to, you know, put forth something that they really artistically feel about. I well, like it was very and massively produced. also if you, if you follow a lot of people who are into like film criticism and stuff, JJ Abrams has a bit of a reputation for starting things off strong and then not mm. delivering with an ending. Mm. Yes. Y- yes. You that's know? what I've heard. Um, and so that's kind of what happened with this trilogy as well was that, you know, the force awakens promised a lot. Uh, and I mean, people have different opinions on the second one, uh, the last Jedi, I guess I didn't think it was as bad as some people did, but I, but it wasn't thrilling to me, you know? And then the last one I was, I was angry about. I was like legitimately mm. angry about the last one. I was like sitting I in the theater. <laughs> Dude, I went to it in the theater uh and I was I felt insulted, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't believe they brought Palpatine back. Spoiler if nobody's figured Spoiler it out. Spoiler for a, yeah, a movie that everyone's yeah, seen a year later. Um Yeah, yeah no, it's lazy writing. It wasn't well, and it wasn't just that they brought Palpatine back, but also the fact that Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter. Sorry, I'm oh, is that counting. What it is? Oh my god! You didn't That's you didn't so catch stupid. that? No, I didn't know that. That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, she's she's his granddaughter, and uh, also at the end of the movie. Okay, the worst part, the part that made me just want to like just destroy everything in the theater as soon as I heard it, like, so that, you know, the movie was called the rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah. 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 And the whole time I'm like, why the fuck would you be calling this movie the rise of Skywalker when, you know, Luke died in the second one. Uh, and then, and like, okay, we now know that she's the daughter of Skywalker. She's the granddaughter of Palpatine. So that doesn't make any sense. And like, yeah, um, and all this stuff happens, and like, oh yeah, and of course Leia had to die too because yeah, Carrie Fisher died. died in real yeah. life, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the movie, Ray goes to Tatooine, 
and buries Luke and Leia's lightsabers under the sand right next to each other at Luke's home, like where his where his aunt and mm. uncle lived in the very yeah, first movie, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I'm like, how does she know where that is? <laughs> and okay, maybe she used the force. We'll we'll leave that. We'll leave that. It's fine. She 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 had a, the the place had a connection with the force because Luke lived there. Fine, sure. Uh, this is I'm I'm making this part up to justify that that happened in the first place, and then um, and then somebody's just passing by while she's looking at the twin sons of Tatooine, and they're like, "What's your name?" And she says, "Ray," and they say, "Ray, what?" And she says, "Skywalker." Oh, like she God. names herself Skywalker, and the and the movie's over, and it's That's like so the dumb. dumbest thing I've ever seen because, well, wow. if anything, she had. She had the character had a better connection with the Solo family than the Skywalker family, you know. Like she, she looked up to Han Solo as this badass pilot, and um, she, you know, sort of had a thing for Han Solo's son Ben, who Adam Driver played, and then like, you know, uh, Leia became a solo you know was married to to han and all that kind of thing so the character had a way better connection to the solo family than the skywalker family but nevertheless um and i guess they were sort of the same family they you know by marriage or whatever but uh, it's it was insulting i was just frustrated with the whole thing yeah Um, sounds like a lot of lazy writing honestly yeah yeah i mean and like i said it was i mean it's partially what you said which is like people want this sort of like people are perceived as wanting this nostalgia factor of like, yeah, they, they want to be, they want to get a thing that has the stuff they already like in it. Um, uh, but that's not what I wanted. I wanted cool new stuff. I wanted, yeah. you know, characters with arcs and, uh, you know, all, all the stuff you want when you watch a movie, you know, you don't want to yeah. watch the same bullshit you've seen before. Yeah. Um, exactly. So, anyway, this was all started by me saying that Knights of the Old Republic would have probably been a better <laughs> series of movies, I think. Because um, those those games actually had, like, pretty sick stories in them. Yeah, no, I love story-based games. I was uh, I consider Fallout New Vegas uh, my favorite game, actually. Uh, I think that the, how they how they did everything with the, the, you know, the map and the, you know, it had a good story. There were so many different ways you could play the game, like almost infinite. I feel like even to this day, I'll get back on it and I'll do something different that I've done before, you know, it's yeah. It's all really the different tribes that you can support and like, you mm-hmm. know, have a different yep. alignment or whatever. Um, and different builds you can do with your character. Have you played any of the expansions like the, uh, um the old or the what is it called uh dead money or something like that or yeah uh, I, I, the one where I you're on the moon base bit. yeah i play i i did play the moon base one a little bit um yeah uh you know and it's i i think the thing that's really cool is the you know the modding community has been paying a lot of attention to it, i feel like recently and uh they, um they've been taking that engine and like like revamping like the really old fallout games from like the you know late 90s you know yeah late 90s um so yeah there's a lot of, you know i i really enjoy a <clears throat> good story driven game um, yeah my even, my roommate jonathan does a lot of 
does a lot of the modded versions of, of Fallout games. Oh. He never he actually doesn't play the vanilla version of any Bethesda or like Obsidian game. He he does <laughs> like these heavily modded versions of all of them. Damn. Um it's, I it's pretty I could... Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had the I wish I had the system to handle something like that. Um yeah, me modding don't really go along. Um we've been talking for quite a bit. Um it's been it's been a great episode with you. Uh I guess before we before we sign off here, what's the future? I mean, you already kind of talked about your album, but I guess what's the future of straightening the record? And you know, with you, what's what can we look forward to in the next couple months? Right. Um, so I'm going to put. Is it next week? I think it's next week. Uh, I've got an episode coming out where I actually interviewed my dad. Um, because I was, because I thought, you know, like, I mean, for one thing, I've been feeling fairly unmotivated with with the various uh, pandemic bullshit. You know, it's like just a frustrating year, and so it's a tough time to to like really motivate yourself. But also, I think my dad's an interesting person. He's got some interesting stories, and since like everybody I've had on so far is like roughly my age, I thought, um, you know, getting somebody who's into some different stuff, who's like done some different stuff be kind of cool and um so i've got so i've got an episode with my dad about to come out i mostly edited that yesterday and um and then yeah like i said next year just gonna see more more different people from des moines more different people from other states who are independent hard-working musicians on straightening the record um I've also been dipping my toes in producing albums with other people um, because one of the, like I said, my my favorite thing about making music is the songwriting process. And so um, I really enjoy helping people shape their, um, their songs and their arrangements and stuff. And I have the capability to record like four tracks at a time right now. So... Uh, I can't really do full bands live and stuff like that, but I've but I've been working with a singer songwriter uh, and helping them uh, develop an EP, um, which I think is going to sound really really good. I'm pretty excited for that. So that should come out sometime um, in the next few months, I think. Uh, my solo album, the uh, Jinuchi Power album. I play bass in Jinuchi Power. And uh, we had Nick Frampton mix that as well. And the mixes are sounding excellent. So uh, that'll come out in the next year sometime as well. Um, a lot of irons in the fire. I started a Patreon a couple of weeks ago. Mm. So if anybody likes the sound of all the stuff I'm talking about, um, <laughs> patreon.com slash Forrest Cochran. Uh, that's Forrest with one R and Cochran uh, like Johnny and, uh, and, uh, I'll have like stuff from the home studio. I'll have episodes and like bonus stuff from the podcast. Mm. Maybe like I edit, I edit my episodes pretty heavily. So sometimes I'll take an entire tangent out. And, (laughs) uh, so like there's some, uh, there's a part of me that kind of wants to like Re, mm, upload those. Re, reset some of those episodes and just like take that 20 minute tangent about this like kind of 
super nitty gritty in the weeds recording technique yeah. that somebody's talking about or whatever the thing is and and just like have some of that as Patreon content. I'm trying to upload every week. Sometimes I might not get around to it, but um, there's like, I mean, of course I appreciate every level, but I have like a $2 level for people that just want to see that stuff and mm-hmm. don't have a lot of money. So like, and I, ha- yeah. and I sort of like did this goofy thing with theming them. Like $2 is the house show level and $5 is the punk show level. And like, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I'm on Patreon just like a lot of other people are now. Oh, um, God damn. Oh, okay. Because that's, a uh, is something messed up? Oh, I, th- uh, it cut off for a little bit. I was, <laughs> I was worried oh. if my computer was going to restart again. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. Sorry, continue. But yeah, yeah, so check out Straightening the Record on whatever your, your normal, um, podcast platform is. Check out the Patreon Check out Forest and Family. Um, Genucci Power has a really, really awesome YouTube channel. Like, we have a better YouTube channel than most bands because Patrick just like comes up with these cool ideas for videos that aren't just music videos and and makes them. And um, so, Genucci Power Electric Company uh, on YouTube. Um, and there's like some standard music videos on there and some stuff that's like way weirder and fun um and i'm also in a band called crossing tongues which like may or may not have an ep next year maybe cold winds will record we'll just have to see about those things um but a lot of irons in the fire and uh any amount of support is appreciated yeah well i'm glad to see that you're busy and working um send me those links and i'll put them down in the description for all your stuff uh forrest cochran it's been a great time man um i'm really glad to get you on the show um stay on for a little bit and we can talk really quick before we sign off all right bye everybody have a good night thank you everybody for tuning into today's episode with forrest cochran um really good time he had he had quite a bit to say and i'm glad i was able to give him that platform and Hope you all check out his episode. Like we were talking about on the show, his last episode with Courtney Kraus, Kraus, I believe, um, was really interesting. I honestly hope I can get her on the show. Um, stay tuned. Like I said, uh, next week we're going to have, well, I guess in six days, we're going to have Lolo Savage on the podcast. He It's going to be live, and we're going to have a really in-depth conversation. We've had on several times before, but... Um, I, I think he's probably vet at this point, so we're looking forward to that. Um, otherwise, hope y'all been hanging out, chilling, having a good time, drinking, doing whatever. Um, and yeah, hope y'all have a good night. Peace.